Your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter two, reading two verses um, out of the King James Version this morning, the one Paul preached out of King James. Are you there? Say amen. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure that the Lord knows those that are his. The foundation of God is not that you know him, but that he knows you. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. The modern trend in the church today is that sin is relative. Truth is relative. Whatever's your truth, whatever you think is uh, sin, or if there is such a thing as sin. But the Bible says that the Lord knows those that are his, and those that are his depart from iniquity. But in a great house, they're not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. Would you say that with me? Some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, what? The iniquity, the sins that uh, he is prone to. He will be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and fit for the master's use, Prepared unto every good work. You may be seated this morning in the presence of the Lord. When you speak on the subject of greatness, it's often difficult because we transfer the world's definition of greatness and try to bring it into the church, and that's like oil and water. It will not mix. There is no biblical example or... uh, expectation for us to pursue greatness. There's no godly ambition. I just want to be great for God. No biblical example. But there is an example of defining greatness. Greatness in the believer is not something we do. It's something that God does in us and it shows up in external ways. Greatness is not fame, greatness is not popularity, greatness is not success or possessions. But those that are great in the kingdom could be well known, could be successful and could have possessions. It is not measured by what one has done, but instead it is measured by what God has done in them. God said to Abraham, I will make your name great. Now Abraham who first was Abram, he went along with God's desire through there was first election and then submission and then transformation. But we should have a desire that our life would bring great glory to the Lord. Whether we are great in the eyes of the world is irrelevant. But God does say that in the kingdom, in the world to come, some will be called great in the kingdom... And others will be called least in the kingdom. Spiritual greatness is not a goal, but it's a byproduct of nearness, of submission, of consecration, of sacrifice, and all of these things. But it is impossible to make something without having the ingredients of the thing you're trying to make. So for the believer, I can't be great 
in God or for God without having the primary ingredient and the only ingredient being God. Are we in agreement God's the only great, the great and mighty God? So how can you make me great or how can we be great in the kingdom and for the Lord without having the ingredient, the primary and really exclusive ingredient, you know, 99.99% being God himself. I can tell some of you are like, what? I'll break it down to you. Go to, go to Applebee's or, you know, Chili's or whatever. And on the menu, you'll find a fat-free brownie. And I, I, my mind, some of you are cursed with this. It can be a blessing or a cursing where your mind just races. Out. I, time out. Are the people that printed this and the cooks that make it aware that the primary and exclusive ingredients in a brownie is fat? So if you are making me a fat-free brownie, in essence, you are making me a brownie-free brownie. I'm not stretching it. This is truth. You are substituting something of similar color with no matching ingredients whatsoever. My wife tried this and brought me, she said, mashed potatoes. It was white. Had a little butter in the top. And it tasted like a blended-up napkin. And I said, I, I said, what is, what is this? It, it's the same thing. And right, right then, see, that's lying. That's lying. Lying. I said, I said, Kelly, Kelly, we cut through, go right to the end. Are there potatoes in here? No. Then it's not like potatoes. Something that is like chicken. No, if it's chicken, it's chicken. Right? You're starting to get the point. It was cauliflower. Like, and she'll substitute stuff for uh, sour cream which is good, and she'll substitute something else. She goes, it's just like it. I said, no, flies won't land on this. It's not like it. It's not the same thing. We've got to erase from our mindset that greatness is popularity and notoriety and success in this world. Greatness is the work of God done in you that will last for eternity. And without those proper ingredients, there's nothing great. The great, famous people of this world will wither like grass, but the children of God will shine and rule and reign with Jesus forever and ever. If there is no godliness, God in it, if God's not the primary ingredient, it's anything but great. Now you get it. How many say, now I got it? You're talking my language. Now I got it. Vessels of honor. See, you are a servant. You're a soldier. You're a son. You're an ambassador. You're a minister. But are you an honorable servant? An honorable son? An honorable ambassador? An honorable minister? Or of dishonor? It's one of the two. And I want to lay the challenge out for you because some of us need to make a great change. We're talking about what Christ has done for us, but we don't mention what Christ is doing in us because there's no activity. Vessels of dishonor. We're in the house, but we're everyday plastic cups that can just be thrown away. Of, it, we're in, but we're not vessels fit for the master's use. So how do I become a vessel of honor? That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Number one, you choose to be one. 
You make the choice that I will not be the common professing believer. I will not be the worldly believer. I will not be the carnal believer. I will not be the one where people looking upon can't tell the difference between a Christian or a non-Christian. I'm going to be a vessel of honor, sanctified, set apart. That's what the text said. Fit for the master's use. I make the choice, and this is critical. You need to understand that no one can do it for you, and God will not do it for you. We're talking about the people that have already received grace, forgiven. I'm a vessel. I'm a son. I'm a servant. Yes, but what kind? What, what kind? Are you active, inactive? Are you present or AWOL? Are you faithful or, or, or traitorous? Are you, do, do, what, what type of vessel? Jesus said in Matthew 16, he said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life will lose it and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Choose to be one, a vessel of honor. Choose to have lordship. To follow the Lord, to be obedient to the Lord, to deny yourself, to offer worship, worship based on God's worth, to walk near, to be a steward, to love. When God saves us, the Bible is crystal clear that salvation does not come by the will of man, but it's of the Lord. It's crystal clear. It's God that causes. God, well, well, I repented. Well, he gave you conviction, which is permission to repent. And he drew you because no man can come to the, the uh, son unless the father draw him. You, you, you can't come on your own. So that's of God. The, the saving is of God. But what you do with the saving is of you. What you do with the life, the gifts, the abilities, the resources, the talents, the time, the, the energy. And that's what makes honor or dishonor. And there are vessels in this room that are, that are decaying. They're in a cupboard. They're covered in dust. And there's, there's webs running to them. And they're, they're used to hang, you know, drive nails and hang picture frames. And they're, they're used to pour muddy water in the backyard. And they're not separated. They're not set apart. Vessels of honor never happen by accident. No one became a vessel of honor by accident. You became God's vessel by election. But you have to... You, it takes more than identity. Let, let's say... Pers, uh, ben, I'm going to put you on the spot. Did you, did you have a natural inclination towards music before? So kind of like born with it. But there's a difference, and you correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not a musician. I mean, I got it in my head. I just don't have it in my voice. In my, I, I got it in here. Um, but the person that has the natural inclination to be a concert pianist is up to them. Hours and hours and hours of diligent practice. Now, some can play by ear, some can read, some do both. But to, to, to obtain that level, anybody in here got master's degree or doctorate? Ooh, look at you, summa cum laude. That's good. Did they give you those? Nurse, how many nursing school? And then, and then go to the doctor. Oh, they just hand those out, don't they? Like, uh-uh. To get this accreditation, to get this, you have to do more than the average person. And to be a vessel of honor takes your life. 
takes your home. It takes your youth. It takes your sluggish middle years. It takes your older years. It, it, is, it is a goal that is attainable to all. See, I couldn't be a concert pianist. I might can get to this level. You might not can be a great leader. You might not can be a, a great physician. But in Christ, everyone has the same opportunity to be a vessel of honor. That God says, honorable. Honorable. Esteemed. Mine. Recognized. Choose to be one. Many of our high school friends, we go back 10 year, 20 year reunion. They're doing the same thing that they had, you know, did in high school. And there was really not that much difference in us and them except choices. Some of you have family members where your brother and sister were smarter than, more opportunity than, and they squandered. How can you, not, how can you see it in the world and not see it in the church? God is no respecter of what? Persons. You can obtain as much honor, reflecting honor, glory to God, as you choose. It's not the size of the gift. It's the size of the heart that brings honor. Number two, vessels of honor keep an uninterrupted union with Jesus Christ. John 15, 5, he said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. You cannot be a vessel of honor by will alone. The moment it is connected, your primary connection is people, uh, even the church, which is the body of Christ, the primary connection being a person, a ministry, uh, where that's your, your primary thing, then it withers. Picture a, a, a tree here, a small tree with branches. When you sever the branch, okay, you cut it off, prune it off. No matter what you connect it to, the ground outside, the air, what, no matter what you connect it to, it will die. Because it's been severed from that which gives it life. And when you separate from the person of Jesus Christ and you substitute church, works, ministries, or anything else, you cannot be a vessel of honor because the life stops flowing. That's why it is imperative, and I will continue to preach it. It doesn't matter to me if you get mad at me, because when I stand before the Lord, you're not going to be there. I'm going to be there to answer for this. You are not to be connected to any priest. You are not to be connected to any apostle or prophet or evangelist or pastor or dead saints or Mary or anybody else. Jesus said, I am divine. I'm divine. And if you abide in me, connected to me, uh, unobstructed, a flow of divine nature, it's easy for the vessel to stay honorable if the flow is honorable, if the flow is godly, if the flow is powerful, if the flow is good, if the flow is effective. Your own, the branch is only as healthy as the tree. And those that separate themselves from Christ wither away. Number three, vessels of honor are humble in mind and heart. Guys, could you turn on a little air in here? I had, somebody just fell out. They're, they're laying there. They're okay. I, I watched them. But thank you. I know it has a mind of its own. Vessels of honor are humble in mind and heart. Listen to what Paul said. Paul said in Ephesians 3, 
unto me, who are the least of all the saints, that I might preach the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. Paul, who saw the resurrected Christ, Christ met with him, who wrote most of the New Testament, viewed himself as the chiefest of all sinners, the least of all saints. Well, that's just false humility. No, no. When you see the Lord, you see yourself. When you see the Lord, listen, let me tell you about walking near the Lord. When you walk near the Lord, you see yourself and a humble heart. A humble heart doesn't mean you walk around beating yourself up. It means that you fear the Lord and you own up to your inadequacies, your failures, your sins. But if you have any pride at all, that tells me that there is distance between you and God because you cannot walk next to the king of kings and be arrogant. Can't do it. Can't do it. You ever be around someone? Uh, It can be anybody. And when they leave, you feel smaller. That's not the Lord. Humble in heart is let no man think of himself more highly than he ought to. Get voted out of a position or asked to step down and get all offended. Why? Because you have a title. But if you're just a servant, they say, you ain't got to clean toilets this week. No problem. No problem. Our offense comes because they don't know who we are. They don't know what we've done. This is not in my notes, so uh, y'all pray for me. It's just coming, coming back to me. Uh, early on in ministry, I had even less of a filter than I have now, and it wasn't good. At least I'm t- I tell the truth. At least I tell the truth. And I was at this church, and right when you walked in the foyer, and I mean, I'm not into, you know, graven images and statues and all that stuff. That's, that's not me. But there was this huge tree, like a... A brass tree against the wall. And there were little bitty plaques on it and medium-sized plaques. Have y'all seen me? And then big plaques. And you know how you got the big plaque? Who gave the most? So you read this little thing right here. Joe and Irma. Now, they must have gave $5 because you can't hardly see nothing like this. And then you got Fred and Estelle. And they had, they had a thing like this hanging from the tree. The branch about to break, you know, so everyone, everyone will know. And I was just, you know, trying to connect. I only had five services with him, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. And I, I think it was Sunday night or something. I was preaching. I said, man, I noticed y'all's tree when I walked in here. I said, I tell you what, if I ever got to pastor here, I think first thing I'd do is set up a white table in the front and have everybody come down and say, how much did you give? And they tell me, write you a check, write you a check. I said, okay, everybody paid off. Whoo, we can give the church back to Jesus. <laughs> Wisdom was born in that moment. Nobody laughed. I thought it was funny. I really did. I was like, uh, it was a rough go. Crowd got thin, you know, offerings fell off. Just send them on, cut the revival short. And it dawned on me, it dawned on me that their honor was here. You can't serve in secret. You can't give quietly. You can't. You have to be known, seen, recognized. And we bring the, we have the big dinners for the significant contributors to build the church. And we have to honor. The, you got to give them a little something, pastor, to get them to give. So they ain't doing it. 
It's counterproductive. It's counterintuitive to the Spirit of God. And it is a tinsel crown. To be a vessel of honor, you have to walk humbly before the Lord and not think of yourself more highly than you ought. And, and that humility, watch now, it's not being self-deprecating. It's being truthful. Paul said, I'm the least of all saints. And if you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, then the Lord will lift you up. We don't stay there. We reign with him. But we get there on his merit. We're elevated with the person of Christ. The Bible says in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God. And it's reasonable. as your reasonable service. Now, we know what a martyr is. They die in a moment for the Lord. Denounce the Christ. No, they shoot him. They die. But a living sacrifice means that you, you die a thousand deaths. Just a razor blade slit here and a cut there and an infection there. He said, now offer your body a living sacrifice to God. And it's reasonable. It's hard to be proud when you understand that a slow death for the name of Christ in self-denial is reasonable expectation. See, everything in this world that is given freely back your, your choices, like, God, I'll let you lead me. Uh, God, these are your possessions. These are your babies. This is your, my life is your life. Everything that we give to the Lord, the Bible says, we'll find it in the life to come. So we don't want our credit, our accolades. Uh, I, we, it's not important to be known here, to sit on the stage and have the high back chair. It's not important. It's to be a vessel of honor. I've got to be willing to be in the cabinet And the honor comes when the Lord opens the cabinet door and says, this one's mine. This one's mine. Vessels of honor invest their lives in others instead of spending it upon themselves. Mark 10, 43 says, whoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever will be the chiefest will be the servant of all. This is what this means. Whoever of you would be the chiefest, which means you want to bring this amount of glory to the Lord. Whoever would be the best among you, the principal, the foremost in time, place, and order shall be the servant of all people. To serve other people willingly, reflexively, intentionally, extravagantly, faithfully, joyfully, and humbly. To spend your lives on other people, invest your lives in other people instead of spending your life upon yourself. That's like being a parent. Your kid goes off to college, and they write you back. Well, now it's email or text or messenger, which I hate texting about. Uh, you know, it's great here. Oh, it's just so much fun. I'm part of this group. And you just steady writing checks. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. My food card's empty. College is fun, and you're, you're funding it. See, you're investing your life in this one instead of spending it upon yourselves. They got brand clothes. You got whatever's comfortable. If it's got a string in it, yes. If it's got some stretchy in it, yes. Parenting is investing your life in someone else instead of spending it upon yourself. And the reward is internal. When you knew, I'm a good mama. 
good single mom. I'm a good mama. I, I live for my baby. I'm a good daddy. Okay. Well, a Christian is to have that same feeling. You may have all this in this world, but this is not my home. You may have the recognition, you may have the acceptance, you may have the notoriety, you may have the status, you may have the applause, but I don't want it here. I want it in the next one. Vessels of honor invest their lives in other people. Number five, and there's only eight, so we're good. Number five, vessels of honor esteem Christ above all things, above all else. Philippians 3, 7 and 8, Paul said, The things that were gained to me I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count everything loss, except for the excellency and the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things, and do count them as dung, which means refuse, that I may win Christ. Esteeming Christ above all else. When that is there, the choices are easy. Okay, I'm going to use it again. I want to talk to the daddies. I, I, can, I can relate some to the mamas, but I want to talk to the daddies. Your children have no idea, especially, my opinion, if you're a man and your little girls have no idea, how much they move your heart. And you're going to make birthdays and Christmas happen. You're going to make your choices in lean times when marriage is difficult and that when you esteem the wife and the family more than anything else, the feelings can be out of control and the opposition and the hindrances, but you will make the necessary choices to esteem them. And the marriages that last and they say they're celebrating the 50th year and everybody, you don't know the hell those people went through. My Lord, there wasn't a month or two. There were years. I'm, this is the year I may not stay with you. This is the year. You, that, I'm that close. I'm. But they esteemed the covenant. And their covenant was not with one another. It was with God. You see? So when I esteem Christ is more important, I'll let friends walk away. I'll let opportunities walk away. I will, I will go backward to keep that covenant. And honor comes not only by what you do, but by what you won't do. Esteeming Christ. You choose your family because you esteem them. And when you esteem Christ, Paul said, everything that I've gained, I count as human excrement compared to... No- That's pretty descriptive. He said, you can have it. And then it said, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things. He said, I count them all for loss, for whom I've suffered the loss of all things. You will never suffer the loss of anything that you didn't already give away in your heart. He said, I only lost what I gave away anyway. I said, Jesus, you can have it all. And then when you're tested and you got to make the choice, you say, well, this choice was already made. Esteeming Christ above all else. Number six, vessels of honor have an eternal perspective. Vessels of honor have an eternal perspective. In Acts chapter five, there was a a story of the disciples being brought in for preaching and teaching the name of Jesus. And the council told them that they had to stop. And they said, we're not going to stop. And they beat them. They beat them. I, I believe it was with rods. I'm not certain, but beating either way is bad. So they, they beat them. And then sent them out. And here's what the disciples said. Listen to this. 
So the disciples departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame and pain for his name. What? They left beaten and bloody saying, God counted us worthy to be beaten for his glory. Now that, to the carnal mind, sounds ridiculous. But to the spiritual mind that says, you have me an opportunity. When the Bible says, Jesus said, blessed are you when you're persecuted. Jump for joy when that happens because you are earning eternal recognition and reward. So here they are holding the open wounds on their head with stripes on their back and saying, he counted us worthy to suffer this indignity for his namesake. Eternal perspective lets you process Pain, loss, misunderstanding, malignment, persecution. With a heavenly, eternal perspective lets you process it and go, that will be reward. That will be known. That will be recognized. Jesus sees everything we suffer and endure. When everybody goes to lunch and they don't invite you because they know you're the Christian. That may sound small, but it's not small to be left out every day at work. It's not small. It's not small at family uh, get-togethers where all the carnal people go to one side of the house and you over there with the great-grandparents that can't see or hear because, you know, you're just sitting with them. You're by yourself. I'm being funny, but it's, it's not... Anybody else, you go to weddings and stuff and they have the seating. I always get the very, very old people and the other Christians that, you know, you sit at this table like, you're the table where ain't nobody partying, you know, you know, how you doing? How long you been saved? <laughs> you just know that they've grouped you together. You're being left out, counted worthy, counted worthy, counted worthy to be separated, alienated, maligned for his namesake. You didn't even know me and you knew me. Vessels of honor, being if you would come, please. Number seven, to be a vessel of honor. Vessels of honor are willing and submissive. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, all God, all man, knowing what was about to happen, knowing that he would be come sin for us and that God would turn his back upon him, knowing about the brutality that was about to happen, all God and all man, he prayed and said, if there's any other way, let this cup pass for me. Do you know what that means? Pick any other path and I'll take it sight unseen. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That's when the believer hits the crossroad and said, I can't do this. I can't bury my baby. Babies don't die before the parent dies. I I can't do this without my spouse. I, I can't do this. I can't watch them go through cancer and, 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 and die. I can't, I can't go this path with you. And if there's any other way, you pick it and I'll take it. But nevertheless, you pick. Oh, the charismatics and the Pentecostals, which I am one. Please don't misunderstand me. Oh, no, you just stand on his word and don't receive it. And, you know, just I don't receive this and just claim it by faith. He orders my steps, sir. Yes, I can pray in faith. But the nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You pick where I live. You pick where I work. You pick my friends. 
You pick my spouse. You pick, oh Lord. That willingness, that submission is a great vulnerability because he may not pick what I want. But in the life to come, the willing and obedient one brought great glory. Watch. They possessed the great God. They produced the great glory because God, the ingredient, is there. So they received the great reward. Vessels of honor. And finally, vessels of honor pay the price. Vessels of honor pay the price. Hebrews eleven twenty four says this. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter anymore. Choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Well, that's understated. Moses, who was a monarch living in filthy luxury, chose rather to be associated with the Jewish imposed slaves living in abject poverty and humiliation. Choosing rather to suffer with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of being Pharaoh's son. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater than the riches and treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. He said, I'll be known and honored and served and live in the lap of luxury here. Or I can send it on ahead. He said, you can have the crown. Thank you for the education. I'm going to take the staff. And I'm going to live among God's people. And he paid a horrible price. Lost it all. Lost everything. Now listen. Choosing God's word. God's people. God's ways. God's priorities. God's path. God's leading. God's pace. Vessels of honor pay the price. They make the choices. When the friends you're trying to walk with, the hand, you're holding hands and you're going towards God and they're going this way. Or the, the, the goals and dreams, I always dreamt this and now I've got to make the choice and you pay the price. And other Christians will come beside you and go, what are you, what are you doing? It doesn't make sense. Understand that it doesn't make sense to them because they're not on the same path. It doesn't make sense for here. Choose God. Vessels of honor choose God. They choose God's word. They choose God's path. They choose God's pace. They choose God's destiny. They choose God. I want to tell you one quick story and then I'm going to give us an opportunity to... uh, pray just a prayer of consecration this morning and set our face to be a vessel of honor. And by the way, you don't look at other people when you walk this out. That You don't pattern after nobody because that gets very confusing. I'm not concerned with how you do what you do. I'm going to... See, I don't want to get everything near perfect. I want to get everything near Jesus. I just want to get everything near Jesus and let my life bring Him glory. I have very few memories of my earthly father, but the memories that I have are vivid, technicolor, 3D, I mean, vibrant, colorful. 
And I remember one time specifically, and it, as you get older, any, any other white-haired people in here know what I'm talking about. You can remember something and all the details. I remember my phone number when I was six years old, 923-3953. And I can't tell you what I did yesterday. I can't tell you. I can't remember. Somebody give me their number just a minute ago. And I could get one out of the seven digits right. I can't remember anything. 923-3953, 101 Windsor Drive, Warner Robins, Georgia, right behind the Handy Andy. There's a bowling alley there now, but right behind that, I, I remember it, like yesterday. And it was a, a rare Saturday or an off day. We weren't in school, so it was either summer or Saturday. And very rarely did we ever do anything apart. We always just, you know, us four, and then Mark came along, and that made five. It was just us four. But Mama was going, somebody... It never happened before. I don't remember it happening after. Someone invited her to a pool. Go, go swimming. And Jim was like, yes, I'll go swimming. And I remember like yesterday, turning on my heels. And I turned to my dad. See, my dad was my person. I think that's why I love the daddy part. My daddy was my person. And I love my mama. But, you know, parents got favorites and kids got favorites. Sorry. Let's just live with it. That's the way it is. We die for everybody, but it's not the same. Daddy was my person. And I remember Jim said, I'm going to go swimming. And I turned and I said, I go with you. And my father said, buddy, you don't know where I'm going. I said, I don't care. I go with you. I remember it like yesterday. It don't matter. It don't matter if you stay here. It don't matter if we go do chores. It don't matter if we run errands. If we go to the church, I go with you. And I believe in my heart of hearts, the Lord quickened that story for someone here that that's what he wants from you. Just I go with you. That's it. Stop making it be grandiose. Let it just be, I go with you, God. I want to be yours. And I want to be an honorable son. The question is not, are you a believer? It's, are you an honorable one? A vessel sanctified unto honor, fit for the master's use. You can if you want to be. But it'll cost you everything. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Would you just bow your heads with me? And I know there's a lot going on in your heart, but I encourage you to speak, even if it's just loud enough for you to hear. Just thoughts are only an opinion, but when you say it, you say, Lord, blank, this is what I believe you're saying to me, or Lord, this is what I want to say to you. I want to respond to this message. I want my life to count. I want my life, my years to count. I want you to recognize me when I get home and say, vessel of honor. High yield. Profitable servant. One that brings you joy. One that reflects your image reflects your glory everyone in this room can be a vessel of honor and everyone in this room can be one unto dishonor the choice is up to you don't get deceived with this last day modern theology where life is about you Everything's about us. It's about sowing your life into the Lord and reaping it in the one to come. 
Would you look this way before we dismiss? And in just a moment, I'm going to ask Chris to come and pray for us. You, we're, there's going to be a lot of surprises when you get to heaven. People you ain't never seen, never heard of, don't know. And God's going to call them from the back to the front. It's probably one of my greatest fears. And I'm not a fearful person. But he said, okay, Mr. Platform Man, you go to the back. Don't, don't let this world fool you. He's going to judge with righteous judgment. And he's going to bring them from the back. So now you don't know them. But I know them. And there will be great honor. And I believe that's why that verse we so often quote. I quote it all the time. And God will wipe away all the tears from our eyes. Neither shall there be any sorrow, crying, nor pain. It's not just the sorrows and hurts here. It's if he didn't do that, we'd have eternal regret. We'd have eternal regret. That wouldn't be heaven. So there'll just be the honor and the respect. And so swing for the fences. My granddad used to say, if you're going to be a dog, be a big one. You know, swing for the fences. Pastor Chris, would you come and pray? We love you and your wife. Would y'all bless our youth pastor, Chris and Sarah? Dear Heavenly Father, we just come today, Lord, to lift your name, Lord God, to give you praise, glory, and honor for who you are. And Lord, I just personally want to thank you for your word today, Lord, for touching and speaking directly to me. Lord, it's amazing to watch you work in words and in power and in anointing. And I thank you so much for this. And Lord God, I ask right now that you bless each and every person that's here, Lord God, fill them Touch them, lead them, guide them, direct them. And Lord God, if they're faced anything, Lord God, I ask right now that you ease, you direct, you give peace like never before. Lord God, we love you and we thank you for being amazing. And I ask that you be God in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen. One quick announcement before you leave, very important. We will not have Sunday night service tonight. It begins next Sunday at 6 p.m. And, but this Wednesday, 6.30, we'll be meeting in the grill for Bible study. So no p.m. tonight. It begins next week, but this Wednesday. Have a wonderful